You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Bringing you today's podcast is Bombas. Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. Plus, for every Bombas purchase, they donate a pair to someone in need. Find out more about what feet daydream about at Bombas.com slash lock today and get 20% off at Bombas.com slash lock. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Manscaped. Support of Lockdown Bucks comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark, T- Shark Tank. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off in free shipping with the code LOCKDOWN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off at manscaped.com with promo code Locked On. Frank, the mailbag is ready uh, for us, there's still a lot left to go in the mailbag. Uh, how are you doing? Um, anything you're thinking about uh, other than working on this mailbag? You know, I, I don't often prepare for the question you ask me at the start of every podcast, which is, how's it going or whatever variant you use. Um, and I was thinking today, like, what, what little random thing could I say other than, oh, doing well, you know, which is what I normally <laughs> sure. say. Um, so I will, I will have, I have one recommendation before we jump into the, uh, jump into the questions, uh, for those who enjoy television. Um, I know you claim to just not be much of a TV watcher, it's true. so this is not, not for you. Uh, but I have been very much enjoying, um, well, I have two recommendations. One Chernobyl, the miniseries on, uh, HBO, which came out a little while ago, fantastic miniseries about the, uh, Chernobyl disaster, uh, nuclear disaster in the Ukraine. I've heard very pretty, good things. Pretty heavy stuff, but um, just exceptionally done. And weirdly, it was done by the guy who like basically did it. He's the showrunner guy who came up with it, wrote it, everything. Uh, he's the guy who wrote The Hangover Two, among other random comedy <laughs> movies. So he just sort yeah. of was just like, I don't, I want to do something serious, and so he did, and he did an awesome job. I hope it wins a bunch of awards for miniseries. And then uh, a show that I'm watching right now, I'm not done with it, but I'm almost done with it. Um, and I feel, I feel confident enough to, to give it a recommendation at this point. Uh, the Boys on Amazon Prime. Uh, it is based on a comic book, which I had no knowledge of before this show. Uh, it's basically about uh, bad superheroes and basically like um, people who basically try to fight back against sort of like corrupt superheroes who have become basically just, it's like a world with like where the superheroes are all basically like corporate shills. And so it's a, it's a really interesting kind of conceit um, for a, for a show. And I have very much enjoyed it on Amazon prime. Uh, yeah. That those are my recommendations. I don't know if you have any, otherwise I'm ready for the podcast. 
Um, I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood earlier this week. Um, I mean to see that this weekend. Did you like it? I've heard good things generally. Um, yeah, it's good. It's not like <laughs> it, it's it's like it's not Tarantino's best. Like I, I mean, that's a very high bar. I'm yeah, trying yeah, to say it's sure. not. Um, but like it was fine. Um, I, I don't want to talk about it until you've seen it, and then we what can. Are, what are your to calibrate? What are your favorite Tarantino films? Uh, Inglorious Bastards is my favorite. Okay. Um, <laughs> and any others uh, way up there? I mean, I really enjoy Pulp Fiction. See, I'm trying to remember which one. And again, like I'm not. Tr- this is not Frank service in, instead of fan service, where I'm trying to give you the answers that you want. But I know this is a very hot hot topic with uh, you and JJ Bursch, our occasional movie guest. Um, or I the guess only I, movie guest we have, really. <laughs> yeah, I I suppose that's true. He's the official film critic of Locked On Bucks. So I mean, <laughs> shout out to JJ. <laughs> he is. Uh, but no, I, I think Inglorious Pastors and Pulp Fiction are the two that stand out to me. Like those, those two are the ones that I put at the top. What about yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tarantino. What his career is like over twenty five years at this point. I mean, I um, I loved Pulp Fiction in high school. That's when I first saw it. For some reason, it resonated. I thought it was just really cool and interesting. And I I still know as many you know uh, lines to that movie as maybe any movie. Uh, not not saying I know it by heart, but just like just really resonated for some reason with me and a couple other of my friends. Um, but like for some reason, like Reservoir Dogs and Jackie Brown, I saw them never really had a desire to see them again. It's like, they're good, fine, whatever. Um, so I don't know if I saw them like again now, like if I'd feel the same way, but Pulp Fiction definitely is like my sentimental favorite. I rewatched Jackie Brown last summer and I came away enjoying it a lot more than I did the first time. Yeah. Okay. I imagine adult me might like it more than younger me, but then again, I also like Pulp Fiction, which isn't like <laughs> like a kid's a kid movie or yeah. action movie or anything like that. So uh, I would say the next movie that probably is like my sentimental favorite. I've seen it a ton of times. I love like how it's shot. I love the style um, in in kind of everything about the, the music. Um, Kill Bill Volume One I, is the one I've seen the most. I like Volume Two as well, but um, Kill Bill just like as just a I don't think I'd seen. I know it's like draws heavily on, I mean, like all Tarantino movies, like on other genres and things like that. So, I mean, it's not like it's like all original, but just like I'd never seen like a movie all, all like that. And I'm like somebody who really enjoyed action, like Jackie Chan movies growing up and things like that. So to see sort of like a Kung Fu movie that was also kind of a Western that was also like, you know, Japanese cinema mix and all that stuff I thought was really awesome. And then um Inglorious Bastards is great. I think I've only seen it once. So I don't know, somehow it never kind of like got into my like I need to see it again and again. Ooh, I've I've seen it a ton yeah. of times. Um I mean some awesome performances. I, no, it's not, I've seen it twice. I've seen it at least twice. Um Christoph Waltz is like incredible like for me that's like just like not knowing anything about him and then seeing and I mean obviously like I I actually speak German, so I mean, I, I I've seen a fair number of German movies, but like he, it's not like he was like a super famous German movie actor either. Like he's Austrian, he's been in stuff, but um, like him, it was like, wait a minute, where did this guy come from? Because he's not young, and for him to just be like in the movie speaking multiple languages and just being this like incredible character um, was great. So I, I Glorious Bastards definitely a great movie. You know, I don't have the personal history with it, um, and I love Django Unchained as well. I really enjoyed it. Um, and then I don't know, am I missing it? Everything else I feel like I, 
it's, no, it's I th- fine. But I think you, yeah, you hit on the things that you yeah. need to hit on. I wish I, I wish I, 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 I was just gonna say the hateful eight. I saw when I was really tired one night and I actually fell asleep partway through it, and I never saw the whole thing, which I feel like is like you know indefensible that I never kind of went back and watched it again. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, and then there are a few that I, uh, some of the other ones, random ones that I haven't, that I, that I haven't seen that he did. I, maybe like in the after Jackie Brown period between that and kill bill. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he did something that, that I haven't seen, but, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, can't really go wrong. I do feel obligated to see this movie pretty soon. Yeah, that's fair. Um, no, I just inglorious bastards. Like the, the bar scene is undefeated. Oh yeah. Like it is just so, so good. And uh, I just, I just, Love it, and uh, when Christoph Waltz says "Au revoir, Shoshana," like that—that that scene, like, uh, the, the, there's just a bunch of scenes in there where you, I uh, like where where like the bear Jew comes out for the first time, and you're just like, "Oh, that's awesome." Um, so, I, it, Inglorious Bastards to me is the is the one I that I stand for uh, for Tarantino but that's okay that's our movie discussion for today um, which... we're 10 minutes in and we haven't touched anything in the mailbag good job Frank I really derailed us <laughs> no it's all good uh, that's fine the mailbag can go for the rest of August it'll be totally fine and I was just gonna say like I was thinking of like news updates more things are I think more things are official now. Like Dragon Bender is like actually officially on the team. Um, I think that's about it. So uh, we are now into a section of the mailbag called Giannis things, I believe. Um, so a couple questions here about Giannis. First one comes from Derek Ledoux, who asks, uh, he's at Delish04 on Twitter, D-L-I-S-H-04 on Twitter. If the Bucks fail to advance to the finals, are they in danger of losing Giannis? I will. So this is something I've been thinking about this summer. Um, one, I don't think uh, I, I don't necessarily believe that they are. Two, if they are, I've been thinking about like the idea of even. So I guess kind of what happens with superstars, right? Is all right. So year out supermax either gets offered or doesn't get offered and superstar either wants to sign the supermax or doesn't want to sign the supermax if he doesn't want to sign the supermax that's the time where you kind of begin to think about trading him for anthony davis that clock got accelerated the he he knew that the pelicans weren't going to be good enough two years out so he said hey let's let's do this and i got when i get out that's not going to happen during this season with Giannis, right? Like, uh, I, I, I'm barring something, in, I think, catastrophic, uh, the Bucks will be very good this year. The Bucks will be in contention this year. So you're not going to trade him two years out, a year and a half out. Uh, so you're at least one year through. And then I feel like at that point, if you're a year out, uh, aren't you just doubling down and saying, hey, we want you to sign the Supermax. If he doesn't want to do it, Fine, whatever. We're gonna win a finals this year, and like to me, that I don't want to say changes the calculus, but at least in some ways it does for how superstars are kind of going about this with different people. So I feel like no matter what, the Bucks are gonna have them for two years, 
And then the danger really becomes if he doesn't sign the Supermax and then in the final year that you have him under contract, you don't win an NBA Finals, then all of a sudden, okay, maybe he explores unrestricted free agency and goes out and, and that's that. So, you know, I, I think in danger of losing Giannis is something that I, like, I just don't, I, maybe it's just the phrasing of it. Like, I, I don't think they're in danger of losing Giannis because for the next two years, he's there, like he will play for them and they will be good and they will be in contention. So I don't think any danger of losing Giannis starts for another two years. And we have another question a little bit later that kind of, you know, maybe hits on that a little bit, but I guess just kind of how do you take that question? If the Bucks fail to advance to the finals, are they in danger of losing Giannis? Um, I would say it increases the likelihood that he will eventually leave. Maybe I'd, I'd put it that way. Um, I mean, I would generally agree with your assessment that um, just not making the finals uh, doesn't like trigger some immediate, you know, reaction of like, well, then Giannis is going to say, get me out of here. And then the Bucks have to make like a decision to, to, to figure out what they're going to do. Right. Which then would be obviously this extremely difficult decision of like, do you trade a guy that you have a chance to win a title with, you know, in 2021 or, um, you know, or do you, do you stand pad and, and, and just go for it? Um, I, I mean, I have a hard time seeing a scenario where you would get to the, I want to be traded decision next summer right um but Mm -hmm. again it's like you know these things are often kind of treated as like binary and in reality there's like obviously a huge spectrum of potential outcomes so i mean if the bucks lose in the east finals again i mean i think you have a high likelihood that he's going to go into the summer feeling like yeah we're good enough i can win a championship here i'm not you know i'm not somehow now like oh i need to go find someplace else to play um, I mean, if there was, again, some like disastrous scenario, right, where like you lost in the first or second round somehow, um, then I think certainly like the the warning signs of, wait a minute, like, is there something about this roster that, you know, right now seems like a contender, but, you know, whether it's a huge injury to some other player, whether it's some guy like unexpectedly just like losing it, like just really declining and being nowhere close to the player we're used to. And, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, with some of the ages on, on the guys, you don't necessarily expect that, but you know, is, is Eric Bledsoe, um, is Brooke Lopez, um, is, uh, are, are any of these guys going to suffer some like notable drop-off that impacts your ability to contend this year, next year, et cetera. It's possible, right. Whether it's injury or something else. Um, so I think, you know, in, in really general terms, the further the bucks go this year, the more likely it makes you know, it makes it that Giannis signs a supermax or signs some type of extension, whether it's, you know, a five-year supermax or, or something less than that. Um, yeah, the better they do, the, the, the more likely he is to sign something next summer. Um, but there's also a huge difference between him, you know, not signing a supermax and saying, I want to go someplace else, right? Because he could say, I still want to stay here. I don't want you to trade me, but I want to, let it marinate for another year and I want to see how we do. And then I want to make a decision in 2021. And that's, that's a really scary scenario, right? Because then it could be binary because then you either sign him in 2021 or he's gone, right? That would be kind of the, probably the worst case scenario. Um, but I, I think, I don't think Giannis also, I, I mean, and I'm kind of projecting here, but I imagine he doesn't want to go into the 2021 season with 
free agency, will he leave, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, like hanging over him. Um, and again, maybe that's me being hopeful. Um, he obviously doesn't face a lot of scrutiny in Milwaukee in general from like a media spotlight perspective. He's been, you know, there's been no point so far where it seemed like he was anywhere close to leaving. So there hasn't been that kind of level of, um, you know, again, sort of attention being paid to him. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it, I think obviously it would change with him reaching the heights that he's reaching now and with everybody always looking for the next guy who might be the story of going to another team. Um, I think it'd be challenging for him and, and for the team. I think it'd be difficult too, you know, if he was under that kind of like, will he stay, will he go type microscope in the 2021 season. Now we just saw Kawhi Leonard win a championship while, you know, being on a one-year deal and making no promises to stay in Toronto. Um, you know, we saw KD do stuff uh, in, uh, you know, in, in Golden State. Obviously, this that stuff's been hanging over him for the last couple of years and, you know, hasn't impacted his ability to perform when healthy. So I, I don't know. But yeah, it's it's definitely a situation where I think, sure, like the more the Bucks succeed, the more likely they are to keep him. Uh, the more issues they run into, then the percentage drops. But is it, you know, that goes down to, 50-50 next summer if they lose in the East Finals? No, I don't think it's that that severe. I think you know, we're still talking about a, a high likelihood that he's going to sign another contract either next summer or or the summer after. And I think it's more just a matter of you know how much in one direction or the other. And again, though, not to diminish the importance of that because things do change, right? And you kind of want to be in as steady a position as possible. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Any, any other thoughts on that? Or we can maybe hit up this next question, which I think is sort of related to that. Yeah, I think let's happen to the next one. The next one comes from Bill Gustafsson at Bill underscore Gustafsson on Twitter. What is the percentage that Giannis signs with a new team at some point in his career? And this one, uh, this one's tough because careers are long. Um, like, like, they're, like they're really long. Um, so it's like, uh, you know, what is the chance that he signs with someone different? Like at some point in his career, like, he's he's a freak athlete uh, i think he can he can likely age gracefully uh with you know his athleticism his core strength his flexibility like all those things like there, there's a good chance that his season is or his career is 15 plus seasons like i think i don't i don't think that's that's crazy to say that's almost another decade so you know uh, it, it never felt like Kevin Garnett was going to play with someone else. And he did like the number of guys that have played with just one franchise is really small. So, you know, what do I think is the percentage that Giannis signs with the new team at some point in his career? Like 65%, like, yeah. I like 70, like it's gotta be somewhere in that range. Cause that's pretty likely. Now I think where this, can be a little bit more interesting. And I think we can try to make it a little bit more interesting by putting some uh, artificial constraints on it is by saying, you know, what is the percentage that Giannis signs with the new team in the next five years? Yeah. And, and that's where I think this becomes a more interesting question because obviously you're, you're thinking about uh, that next contract. And then, you know, if you're in that next contract and things aren't going well, is that when he decides to, you know, kind of make the power play that other superstars have made and say like, Hey, you got to get me out of here. Like, you're not good enough. We're not good enough. This isn't working. Let's go somewhere else. So, um, I think I'm going to kind of handle this as, um, what is the percentage that Giannis signs his next contract with a new team? 
And I think that will make it a little bit harder. Um, I can go first unless you want to hop in. But uh, I mean, I think there's probably like a 25% chance that his next contract was, is with a different team. Like, I think you have to at all times, you know, kind of prepare for and think about the idea that your great player could sign somewhere else. Like your, your great player could be, um, uninterested in whatever it is that you're putting together and might want to go and play in a different city and for a different team. And I think it's hard to play at a really high level for three years straight. And, or I guess even two years straight, like for the bucks to find themselves in the Eastern conference finals, two consecutive years, like that's a difficult thing to do. I know LeBron has made it look uh, incredibly easy over the years, but, and I guess the warriors too, but for a team with, one super duper star and then a really strong ensemble of characters. That's a, that's a difficult thing. So uh, I'm going to put, what is the percentage that Giannis signs with a new team for his next contract at 25%. It feels a little bit on the high side. Maybe I want to bump it down to 20, but that's okay. That can be our starting point. Frank, uh, go in whatever direction you want with it. Like you can go with the original question, five years, next contract, however you want to do it. Yeah, I mean, my gut reaction when we were talking about um, next contract, I thought my immediate number in my head was 80% likely that he resigns with the Bucks either next summer or the summer after. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's kind of weird because now saying it out loud, that feels lower than kind of my um, like fan concern level would suggest it is. Like, I'm really not concerned about it. Um, mm-hmm. But 80% is... N- I mean, that's a one in five chance he's gone, right? That That's pretty scary when you put it in those terms. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know. But I mean, I think it, it just sort of kind of falls under that like shit happens type type bucket, right? I mean, you know, I don't think um, Anthony Davis ever kind of whispered the sweet nothings or I think had the telltale signs of kind of like being loyalty, loyal to a city in the way Giannis did. Like, I don't, you know, again, I think Giannis's personality, um, the fact that he's not American, I think plays in Milwaukee's favor. Cause he doesn't have, you know, I mean like Kawhi and Paul George, obviously, I mean, the, look, they're from, you know, they have a hometown. So yeah, it changes things like growing up, you have perceptions of cities and where you, you know, it's desirable to play. And Giannis didn't really have that. And I think that actually plays kind of to the Bucks benefit. Um, so like part of me, like, I'm not really worried about it. Um, and part of that's just because it's like, what are you going to do about it? Right. I mean, it's like, you're just gonna sit around worrying about it. I mean, the Bucks are, you know, contenders for a championship, like, you know, Jesus, if you're not going to enjoy this, then, then what's the point? Um, so I, I think it's a high probability signs the next contract in Milwaukee. Um, obviously, just signing another contract doesn't guarantee anything um, in terms of like him staying until, you know, he's 30 or until, you know, his whole career. Obviously, there's a lot more after that. And I think it's a really good point. I mean, the longer Giannis's career goes, the more successful he is over a long term career, the fewer injuries he has that means that there's more time for him to potentially go someplace else eventually. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Like, you know, if Giannis plays the next eight years in Milwaukee and then goes someplace else when he's 32 or 33, 
I mean, that's that's fine in the grand scheme of the universe when you think about like you know how lucky the Bucks would be to have a guy of Giannis's skill level for a dozen years or you know actually more than that, you know, fourteen years or whatever. Um, I mean, again, like it's hard to kind of complain about that in an abstract sense, you know, given where where things are right now. Um, and I think again, it's just natural that like people over time like consider doing something different, you know. Um, so I I think certainly there's long long term. Um, I'd say, you know, yeah, 75% likely he eventually goes someplace else. Man, sure, that seems like it could happen. Um, and it's kind of also raises interesting questions too about like, like what 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 is Giannis going to be like when he's a 33, 34 year old player? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really know. It's fascinating because his game, especially right now, is obviously you know closely tied to his just physical tools and athleticism. Um, but I also think it's like unfair to make it seem like, oh, he he's just like when his athleticism begins to decline, then he's going to like go off a cliff or something like that, because he's going to get, I think, get you know more skilled as he gets older. I don't know if he's ever going to be a great shooter, um, but in terms of like his basketball IQ and savvy and too, I mean, like so much of his skill set is like strength and length. Um, it's not like he's just purely like some like physical, like, like raw jumping over guy type athlete. Um, I think there's like reason to believe, especially given kind of just his God given physique and everything like to believe he, he should age pretty well. And, you know, knock on wood is, you know, he hasn't had major injuries. He's had sort of the kind of like, you know, knee, uh, tendinosis, tendinitis type thing, um, that has cost him some games here and there, but obviously thankfully nothing serious so far. So you kind of hope for that, but, but yeah, I think just in the natural, you know, nature of, of sports, you know, if a guy plays an entire career, it's usually not in one place. So I, I think, there's absolutely a chance that he is, you know, uh, a Dirk Nowitzki type guy for the Bucks and plays his entire career here. He's talked about Kobe and Dirk doing that, um, but so much can change, right? I mean, we don't know anything about where the Bucks will be in eight years. Uh, it'll be an entirely different roster around Giannis at that point. Um, so, yeah, tough to say. So, I think long term, just high likelihood of he eventually go someplace else, just because that's the way things tend to work. Um, Short term, very high likelihood that that he will resign. And um, again, I think. I think success matters. You know, I think the, the question about where, how far the Bucks go, I mean, that matters. I think if they go to the finals or, you know, if they seem like they're, they should win a championship next year, even if they fall a little short of that, um, you know, again, if they have the, a 60 win team, all that, like to me, Giannis is the kind of guy who's going to look at that and say like, we're so close. It's on me. I gotta, I gotta get us over the line. I don't think he's going to look at that and say, Oh, I, I need to go find a better player to play with you know like i I don't know and again Mm -hmm. maybe i'm projecting a little bit there and being optimistic but um i i think you know again with Giannis, um i don't think necessarily that that he'll take the route that that obviously some other guys have taken and also i mean it helps being you know in sort of uh arguably the best player in the world right or or being on track to be that in the next couple years um you probably feel less obligation to go try to go find you know another superstar because you can do a lot on your own. And we saw that this year, right? I mean, he saw how far this Bucks team can go with, uh, with the guys he has now. So, all right, we'll move on to a question from Miller Mears. That is at Miller Mears on Twitter. Is it concerning that Giannis and Middleton haven't withdrawn from international competition? And so I, I guess this is, like, I understand if you play in an international competition, you can get hurt and, that can also put, you know, uh, a, a level of uh, activity onto your knees and your body that you 
obviously don't want during the off season. You'd prefer it just to be workouts and things like that. So like, I think I, I, I kind of understand uh, the question, but ultimately I don't know that I've ever had a huge problem with guys in international competitions. And I think you might be a little bit more protective of guys that, you know, guys under contract, you only want to play for, your team and no one else. Um, and you can answer this in a little bit, but I, I think for me of things that I'm concerned about this summer, like international competition, isn't all that high. Um, like I, I think it's a good way to stay in shape. I think, uh, you know, we heard Chris Middleton the last time he had a contract, um, a contract summer or summer where he's about to sign a new contract. Uh, he told us a month into the season that he was fat, like that he was out of shape. He was like, I, I didn't do anything until I signed the contract. So, uh, you know, I just wasn't in shape. And obviously Chris mentioned the fact that he was going to handle things a little bit different this time, but you know, also part of handling a little bit different this time is making sure that he's ready for when that training camp is and, and, you know, kind of where all those things are uh, going to be put into place here uh, in another month with some practice games in Australia. Um, and then obviously just some of those games as they get prepared for the World Cup uh, later in September. So like I get all of it, but I think the bigger concern to me is just none of these guys have gone through a short break before. This is the first time that they've kind of had to figure out what to do with a condensed off season so often in their careers, they've been done in April that, you know, you could take a month off and you could still in May be right back into it. You could take a month and a half off and get all the way to June. Like you could do all those things and still have a number of months to prepare yourself while this summer, you know, one, I don't even know if you, you might be able to take a month. Um, you know, it, you got done in June, get to July and then really hit it hard again. But um, I, I think that to me is the larger concern is like, how do these guys handle it? Because on the other side of things like Giannis, not so much because that Greece, te- that Greek team just isn't very good for Middleton. I, I've talked many times before about how uh, I think super teams are built in Olympic seasons and like the Olympics is kind of where this happens. And I understand the, the world cup is going to be a bootleg version of those uh, Olympic teams. And like, I, I totally understand that, but you know, as we're talking about recruiting different players, recruiting other talent, wanting other people to come to Milwaukee, Chris Middleton being around other American players that happen to be somewhere between 20 and 50 in the NBA, I don't think that's a bad thing for the Bucks. Like, uh, I think, you know, Chris can, you know, dispel any rumors if he needs to that, you know, Giannis is great to play with or uh, you'll get plenty of shots or Bud is just as great as he seems from the outside. Like, no matter what he needs to do, like he can he can spread the good word of the Bucks. maybe drop a few pamphlets off in the locker room uh, for anyone interested in coming to Milwaukee. Like, I, I think that that can ultimately be a good thing. And honestly it might not be the worst thing for Chris Middleton to be one of the best players on this U S team, because that's what it's lining up to be with as many people have dropped out. And, um, you know, there's always that conversation about, Oh, is Chris ready to take over? Does he want to take over? Uh, you know, all, all of those things. And I think often it works out because he doesn't get in Giannis's way in those situations. But I think as you saw in the Raptors series, maybe it'd be good for him to get some of those reps and get some of those reps when it's not with the Milwaukee bucks, it's with someone else where, uh, you know, maybe the results don't matter quite as much, but he can still 
go out and and get those reps and get a chance to kind of be something that that some that somewhat resembles being the man. Whether or not that he he would ever be the man in Milwaukee and they'd give him those possessions, like this team USA summer fall and i'm not sure what we're gonna call it like this experience could actually be really good for middleton so uh for me like it's it's not a huge it's not a huge concern for me i I think you fall on the other side of this but that's okay so go ahead yeah well let me say this i love watching uh like our favorite Bucks players when they do play for their national teams because it's it's fun, right? It's a totally different environment. It means so much, especially to international players, obviously, um, to to play and, and represent their country. And I think for Giannis and his brothers, um, interestingly, all three of his uh, all three of the uh, eldest, well, uh, you know, the basketball playing older brothers um, are in the Greek eighteen man roster for the World Cup. Um, sounds like Kostas is unlikely to make the 12-man roster, but it sounds like Thanasis and, and Giannis both will. Um, and just as far as like timing goes, so I'm looking at on the FIBA, uh, the FIBA.com site, there was an article about the the the, um, the training camp roster. This is from a couple weeks ago. It said that Greece players will gather on July 24th. I haven't heard anything to suggest that Giannis is actually doing anything with them yet. So I, I don't know what the timing of that will be, but um, there will be a tournament in Crete from August 9th to 11th, including Hungary and Iran. And then there's the Acropolis tournament, August 16th to 18th in Athens with Italy, Serbia and Turkey also taking part. Um, and then they have uh, see the last warm up games. We played an event in China against China's Greece, Tur- Turkey and Senegal. And then they, they tip off the actual FIBA world cup, September 1st. So, as you kind of get a sense, I mean, there's a lot of games just before they even get to the World Cup. So, like, pretty much all of August, mm-hmm. they've got practice and games. And, and again, I have no idea how much they practice at this level. Um, obviously, internationally, you always hear, you know, generally there's a lot of more practice, fewer games in Europe than in the NBA, where there's a relatively large amount of games and less practice. Um, so, I don't know what they're going to be doing. But obviously, you know, Giannis is a kind of guy they're not going to have you know, playing 30 minutes a game every night against, you know, these, these teams in warm up. So hopefully they will be very judicious about how they use Giannis in those scenarios. Hopefully we'll see lots of DNP rest games there, but the flip side is, I mean, again, like, you know, these national teams, it's like, you know, handing the keys uh, of your Ferrari to, you know, your uh, cousin who doesn't know how to drive stick shift or whatever sometimes right like i mean they're they're not they, I mean, they obviously want Giannis to stay healthy but i mean they're trying to win this tournament so um you know again like who knows exactly what kind of trade-offs they'll make i'm curious to see how much he'll play in the warm-ups because obviously they want to build chemistry and get these guys used to playing with each other flip side is they want to save Giannis for for the real thing so um we'll be interested to see kind of how that how that works i will say this i mean like i said i love watching these guys play at this level um Again, I would probably say like, yeah, I mean, if, if I had the ability to say yes or no, um, and, and no one would know, so I wouldn't have an, a bunch of our angry Greek friends uh, complaining, <laughs> I would probably say, yeah, it'd probably be good if Giannis didn't play in this tournament. Um, but that said, it's not my call, and I'm excited to watch him. Um, I will be rooting for Greece over every other team, including the U.S., because that's how big of a Giannis fan I am. I'm, I'm really excited to see him. Um, I mean, he's going to be the best basketball player in this tournament. And so uh, as much as you, Eric, were uh, just totally, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, shitting on the Greek odds of, uh, of, of doing anything in the tournament, saying they're not very good. Uh, they are the fourth, they have the fourth best odds of winning this tournament. USA minus 400, Serbia plus 600, Spain plus 1600, Greece plus 2000. So of course, okay, not high, not good odds. Of winning this tournament. <laughs> uh, but they are certainly like among the non-USA teams, one of the you know, teams that um, obviously has uh, has is expected to be better than others, but obviously you have the league MVP. Like, so. We know why. Yeah, it's because yeah. they have Giannis, and you know they have some other players. But I won't pretend to know how this Greek team compares to to other Greek teams. I'm I'm super excited to see Nick Kalaitis, obviously. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it'll be it'll be fun. I, I hope to kind of watch all the Greek games. I'm definitely going to try to watch highlights at least. Um, maybe we'll find some streams of some of the warm up games and kind of see. It's always fun to see Giannis in the the blue and white. Uh, Hellas jersey. Uh, I don't know if they pronounce it that way, so Greek friends, correct me. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. And it's kind of funny. It says everything about the USA roster that you were just talking about Chris Middleton using Team USA reps to practice being more of the man than he is in yeah. Milwaukee. But yeah, I mean, he's not going to play with a player as good as Giannis for the US national team, which is kind of funny and kind of a cool thing uh, about the state of the Bucks, at least right now, although uh, obviously a lot of that is just not having much depth on the USA team. So, um, so yeah, it'll be fun. I usually don't, especially when there haven't, haven't been Bucks players, I usually don't feel a lot of like emotional connection with the USA teams. Um, so I, having Chris and hopefully Brooke um, be part of that team, um, I'm, I mean, obviously it would give me a lot more interest and and you know make me a lot more excited to see them do well and and win a gold medal to have both of them get through and and win something if if possible um so i don't know we'll we'll see i mean again like you always worry about health you always worry about kind of getting these guys off to you know uh, getting them tired before the season even starts Uh, again i'm i'm just gonna cross my fingers that there aren't any injuries especially to Giannis. um and uh, you know again like if the bucks lose in the east finals like I'm not going to look back and say it was because, you know, a few of their best players played uh, in an international tournament beforehand. But, um, yeah, I mean, that stuff matters. And as you said, we hope that the Bucks every year are going to be playing a lot of NBA basketball. Um, but uh, we'll see, you know, if if uh, if we can draw any type of straight line. I mean, again, it will always be just speculation for us. But um, just for perspective, so last year, uh, Giannis played 500 minutes in the playoffs, 20 reasons, like 2,900 minutes total. Year before that, he played 2,756 minutes in the regular season alone, uh, and then played, obviously, they only played one round in the playoffs, so he only played 280 minutes. So he actually played fewer minutes last year than he did the year before. And the year before that, he played uh, 2,845 minutes, and I think a couple hundred minutes in the playoffs. And the year before that, 2,823 minutes. So he, I think he actually played fewer minutes last year total then in any season, um, let's see, 24-15, he played 2,700 minutes. So, you know, his minutes have been extremely stable ever since his second year in the league. And obviously, health has been a big part of that. And last year, you know, he played a career low 72 games and was rested a bunch. And obviously, his minutes were down compared to previous years. So, again, you know, in the grand scheme, again, like, does it longer, but the same minutes? Like, you know, what does that mean? I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Um, but obviously from just a pure kind of minutes perspective, um, I think some good perspective that, uh, you know, he really didn't play more last year than he did in other seasons. Actually, he played fewer minutes last year than, than in most seasons. So again, fingers crossed, everybody gets through the next couple months healthy and, um, hopefully they win some hardware and especially for Giannis. I mean, 
for them to for them to win a medal would be uh, terrific obviously and for them to i mean somehow win gold medal i mean what a what an incredible achievement for um i mean for the u.s but usa players as well but but especially for somebody like Giannis, who um you know is, is obviously the best player to come out of his country and um obviously a country that has had international success but you know certainly not to the point of you know beating a usa team um you know that uh, that that you know we can remember recently so all right um let's Last one we'll do tonight comes from Brett. Uh, nice. Oh, and I should say, 2006, the Greece. Two thousand. I, I totally forgot. Baby Shaq. I, I should acknowledge is in in. I believe the 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 2006 FIBA World Cup. I believe the the Baby Shaq and the Greeks did actually beat the USA. So I'm. I want to correct myself. I forgot about that for a moment. So it has happened. I don't want to short shrift the that great Greek team that that actually beat the USA and everything. Um, but. I'll be honest. I didn't really care about that at the time. So now I care. Go Greece. Uh, this would mean way more to me than, uh, than the 2006 team with uh, Sophocles Schwarzenegger. I think his name was uh, Baby Shaq. <laughs> All right. Uh, last question of the night is going to come from Brett Nicely at Nice Brettley on Twitter. If superstars now control roster construction, then given what you know about Giannis, what kind of roster would he plausibly put together? This is really interesting because, you know, I think when people try to uh, put together a super team, there's always, you know, you got you need a second superstar to to be a super team and, and do all of that. And I think we've seen the Bucks go in a direction where. Uh, I don't know if last year was a super team, but it was pretty damn good. It, it won 60 games. It was the best team in the league. So uh, there are certainly some super aspects to that team. Um, whether or not it's a super team, obviously up for debate, and I think most people would say it isn't. But that's always been <laughs> it's always been something really interesting. I think in in kind of Bucks fandom is. Uh, taking the ball away from Giannis. Um, that's just a thing people don't like. When when Chris Middleton was shooting a bunch of fadeaway jumpers, people were mad because, one, they didn't like those shots. They weren't analytically friendly, but also they felt like wasted possessions because Giannis could got the ball. When Malcolm Brogdon, on a transition possession, uh, decides to attack the basket and throw up a layup off the glass that sometimes went in, sometimes didn't, everyone would be furious because Giannis didn't get the ball. And, you know, I, when Eric Bledsoe was jacking up mid-range jumpers under Jason Kidd, same thing. All of, I mean, even when Eric Bledsoe puts up threes off the dribble where he's not hitting a bunch, again, it's all a spot where, where people can get mad that Giannis doesn't have the ball, which I think makes this a really interesting question for, for most Bucks fans. I'd be curious how they kind of land on this or, or where they land on this because I think it it brings in some interesting questions. For me... Um, I would say like, okay, go out and get another crazy wing that's super talented. So go get like a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard. Like, I think that would be the way that I would put together a team. And I mean, I think Giannis would put together a team like that, like a, another guy that could go get an ISO bucket and make it a little bit easier for him. Uh, someone that could shoot, someone that could defend the league's best wing so he could continue to be just a, a menace defensively in his Romer role. So I think, I mean, that's like the big ticket item. And then, I mean, I think we've kind of seen what 
the rest of a well-constructed team around Yas looks like. They can all shoot and they can all defend. And I mean, that that's where all this becomes really difficult. Like that's why Eric Bledsoe's a nice piece because he's so good defensively, but not a perfect piece because he can't really hit catch and shoot threes. Um, you know, it's, it's why this balance and finding a perfect roster is a, a little bit difficult. Like Brooke Lopez is pretty much perfect for it because he can protect the rim and he can also shoot threes, but is he a little bit slow footed? Yes. So how does that all fit in? So I think overall, pretty much what you're looking for is, shooting all over the floor and then i would guess Giannis would grab another superstar and preferably a wing superstar but maybe there'd be some thought to get in a superstar point guard like like a damian lillard that he could run pick and roll with maybe that would be the move i don't know what what, what do you think well i mean the question i mean i know we've had this question of um which maybe a little bit different question but you know, the question we've been asked is like, okay, if you could pair any other player with Giannis, who would it be? And I know I've always said Steph uh, previously, and I don't know if you picked Steph or, I mean, I think you understand the rationale certainly yeah. for, for doing that given, um, you know, it's kind of like the pick and roll gravity that Steph has. I mean, well, just general gravity, right? I mean, <laughs> Giannis and, and Steph may have the two most pronounced uh, gravitational effects in the league for very different reasons. Yeah. Um, so putting them together on the court would obviously be, be incredible. Um, so, uh, he did pick Steph first in the all-star draft after Steph picked him, I think first the year before with his first pick, I think Steph had the second pick or whatever. But, um, so, uh, you know, we have some evidence that Giannis likes Steph. Uh, they, I believe Steph threw, did Steph threw him that, uh, outrageous bounce pass value, yeah. right? I think, yeah. So, um, you know, I think again, if we're like dreaming, right, uh, pie in the sky type stuff, um, I think Steph would be kind of an obvious guy. I mean, yeah, I'll take Damian Lillard too. That'll work. Um, you know, somebody who can take the pressure off him um, in terms of like shot creation, um, stretching the floor and also being able to run pick and roll with him um, and being kind of like that, like, you know, late game type shot creator that, you know, can do things in different ways than, than Giannis, who obviously, um, you know, is, is, has some limitations at least because of his shooting in terms of like being able to, to do those kinds of things. So to me, that would be the kind of clear kind of probably number one thing. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, uh, certainly like a lockdown wing, um, especially because that type of player also kind of takes some pressure off Giannis defensively, maybe in terms of being able to play, you know, as you said, putting Giannis in more of the Roma role. I mean, Giannis can defend, you know, kind of like big wings uh, if needed, but obviously the Bucks haven't typically used him in that role. So, and that's why Chris Milton being able to defend those types of players is really important and why I think he also, you know, would really value Chris, continue to value Chris Middleton. You know, Chris Milton was his first reserve pick in the All-Star draft last year. And uh, we know he really likes Chris. Obviously, um, you know, he's, that's a homer pick from Giannis. Um, but, uh, you know, no one would have batted an eye if he didn't pick Chris first in the, in the among reserves, right? I mean, there are definitely like a lot of players that everyone would say were better uh, coming in, the, in the, that, that All-Star draft. And Giannis still... Hey, he's about loyalty. He's about his guy, Chris <laughs> Middleton. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, you know, we just keep Chris Middleton and throw Seth Curry in there. I think, I think that'd be a pretty good plot. <laughs> um, I think probably like, I think he probably wouldn't value, you know, uh, certainly like a big low post center. Right. Cause I mean, that's kind of, you know, he wants to play in the paint. I'm sure he really appreciates having Brooke and, and his floor spacing uh, and the fact that, you know, Brooke kind of gets out of the way and, and gives him room to operate. So um, I think Giannis, like any good GM would probably say, you know, I'm not going to, 
you know, look at center as a position I'm going to necessarily go traditional or spend a ton of money on. Um, I'm sure he's probably pretty happy with having a guy like Brooks. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know if I answered the question, but um, yeah, give me a historically great um, all-time shooter slash creator at the point guard spot that that would work just fine. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I think those are the, with the roster currently there in Milwaukee, like I, I think that's probably the answer, right? Like go get, go get Steph somehow, somehow uh, convince Steph that he wants to come to Milwaukee. And yeah, that would, that would probably be the way to go uh, since you already have Middleton uh, in tow. So, all right. We uh, knocked out some more questions. Uh, slow and steady winning the race. That's what's going to happen. Uh, so we will, uh, I think largely what I see left is more uh, miscellaneous. Um there's a lot of, yeah, that, that, that would be what I would say it is. So we'll, uh, we'll hit some more of that. Uh, we'll have uh, another one for you tomorrow and then uh, we'll be back for three more next week. I'm going to start being on some vacations in some different places and that'll be fine. Uh, but Frank and I will figure out a way to work around it. So for today, for Frank men, I'm Eric name. This has been lockdown bucks. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.